Economics in the Spirit present. How to be a success. Ordinary men living extraordinary lives. The podcast that explores the messy nuts and bolts behind people's success. Now here's your host, S.B. Cole, author of The Good Man, exploring economics and the spirit. Okay, so I'm going to move on to the second part of the battlefield of the mind section. Uh-huh. What was your rock bottom? What was your turnaround? Uh, oh, that's a good question. That's a very, very good question. So I second, so I'm going to speed through the, the next bit that's happened to, to get to the answer. Um, after robbing that, that kid, um, I basically borrowed a BB gun from a friend of mine um, as protection, as an image, whatever you want to call it. Um, me and my mum had an argument about it. She said, you've got to get out of my house and take you back to the boy's house, like the person's house. Um, he wasn't home and I wasn't going to leave a gun on his doorstep or in his letterbox. So I came home, but my mum had locked the door because I'd said, ah, I'm not coming back. I'm running away, all that kind of stuff. And I basically proceeded to try and kick down the front door of my mum and dad's house. And they, uh, basically the neighbours heard this commotion. Uh, we live in, well, my mum and dad live in quite a nice area. Um, and so basically called the police. The police came, asked me loads of questions and then said, is there anything we should be worried about? And I said, no, nothing at all. Long and short of it, got arrested with this gun, um, which was an imitation firearm. I was charged with having an imitation firearm in a public place. And the only reason I didn't go to jail for seven years is because I was two weeks away from being 16. If I was 16 years old, he would have had to put it on my record and I'd have probably gone to jail, he said. Um, and so I got quick, uh, kind of like community service. My mum and dad said, look, you can't live here no more. You're, you know, you're disrespectful, dis- disappointing. You're not a good role model for your little sister. So I ended up living in a secure care home. When I was in that secure care home, I met. Uh, another group of friends on top of the people I was already hanging around with. Um, and this person then introduced me into the drug dealing business. He basically said, do you want to make some money? And I said, yeah, come on. Of course you want to make money. Uh, my family don't care about me, so I'm going to just do what I need to do. And he said, all right, cool. Let's just pack your bag and come with me. And basically I packed my bag and, and he introduced me to this older, older person. And um, he basically took me up to Peterborough to County Lines and, gave me this little trap phone, little little drug dealer line and said, look, when this rings, you ask them if they want heroin or if they want crack cocaine. And this is what you're about. This is what you're going to do. And so I was up there for a good few months, just backwards and forwards on the train line, selling crack, living in a crack house. Um, just over, like literally, essentially overnight, I had no dealings of drug dealing before. No one in my family ever did anything like that. Um, and yeah, I was in, I was in Peterborough away from my family, no communication from, with them at all. And I, one day, basically I was out selling drugs to some drug dealers in a park in, in Peterborough, some, some child addicts in, in a park in Peterborough. And, um, uh, basically I, I used to carry the drugs in like a little holder that I could put like in a plastic bag or in, like down my trousers, whatever. And I was just about to go and meet someone else to, sell them some drugs like it was just around the corner so i was going to put it in this plastic bag that i had on my handlebars on my on my pedal bike and i remember hearing this voice and the voice said don't put it in the plastic bag put it in your trousers and i remember thinking what like it was like my conscious like i don't understand i don't know what it was um well i, I know what it is now but i didn't know at the time 
And yeah, basically I, I listened to the voice and I put it down my trousers instead. And as I started to ride off on the bike, the police come around the corner and grab my bike and said, look, someone matching your description has been selling class A drugs in this area. We're going to search you. And the first thing that they did is they poured the bag out on the floor. My heart's obviously beating, but they didn't search anything else. And I was able to ride off and go about my business um, with like a please stay out this area type warning. And I remember just riding back and being so scared. I was just like, I nearly went to jail. And I guess in hindsight, I never would have snitched on the person I was working for. I would have gone and done time for somebody that didn't care about me, that would have just replaced me with somebody else. They would have just put someone else in my place and tried to make money. And I remember also having arguments with this older boy at the time. And I basically essentially said, you know what, this isn't the life for me. I made a decision. I, I did that self-reflection, although I had a house and money and all that kind of stuff when I was in Peterborough. It just wasn't who I wanted to be. And so I called my parents and I said, mom, dad, I'm really sorry. Can you come and get me? I want to come home. And they forgave me and they gave me a, a second chance to come back and kind of integrate back into the family. So that section of my life really is about me making a decision to to be a new person, to to not kind of wear this mask every single day and not to, you know, and actually to take ownership of the choices that I was making and to take ownership of my future. And as soon as I did that, then like things moved out of the way and I was able to to elevate and progress. How much did you progress in that period then? Very much, very much. Like that, that period of time is the foundation of the man I am today. Like between 16 and 16 and 21, like I literally, like I, I wasn't on, I wasn't on the streets anymore. Like my mum, me and my mum and my dad, our relationship wasn't great, but it was a lot better than it was before. No police and stuff coming to the house. Um, and I, I also went to college. So I, one of the, the kind of prerequisites of me coming home is that I had to do something. And I said, oh, I'm going to go to college. And I went to Connections. And basically, I said, oh, you know, I rap. And they gave me some college course in, in Walthamstow um, for a college called DV8, or I think it's called Big Creative Academy now. And basically, it was like a creative course where I'd go there with other creatives and we, you know, try and put on events and learn about music management and stuff. And it was just something I was interested in to bide the time. But when I walked in the classroom, there was this 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 guy like this 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 mentor his name was fusion and it just it was just the positive role model that i needed it was the person that saw greatness in me as a young boy from from the ends like with a little bit of a story a bit of a reputation and he didn't care about any of that stuff he just said look i don't care what anyone else has said about you or who they say you are i'm going to see you as this person i'm going to help you to to find yourself and I will take you on the actions that you do from this point. Like, you know, whatever you say from now is how I'm going to take you. I don't care what has happened before. Um, and yeah, like having him in my life was probably the best thing that happened to me because he gave me opportunities. He showed me how to unlock my mind. He empowered me, basically. Um, and so, as I say, from 16 to 21, it was just the trajectory of meeting him at that point and making that decision prior to that to say, I want to turn my life around. Um, I continued on going to another college. Um, I, I found work. I found a girlfriend. I started a. I started um, an entertainment company with some of my friends doing events and stuff, and you know, really, really positive things that were going on. Um, and so, basically, that's you know, when I when I got stabbed at 21, it was random. It wasn't a gang. It wasn't. I know in the film we made it the older brother, but I didn't know these boys. It was literally me putting on this this mask again for one night. 
Like I literally went out to promote for an event and instead of turning around and saying, this has got nothing to do with me, hope these guys sort out their situation. I'm going to, you know, (laughs) going to just get in my car. I was like, what's going on? Like, you know, like kind of nosy and getting involved in this situation. And that's how I got stabbed. I went into someone else's world. I literally just got sucked back into the streets and tried to take my life out, I guess, because they saw the potential of, you know, the the streets saw the potential of what I was going to be doing. So tried to kill me. Join us next time when Amani tells us a little bit more about that night and gives us a surprising answer to this question. What has been the greatest moment in your life so far? Um, <sighs> Thanks for listening. New episodes are available every Tuesday. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review us on iTunes as it will help the show to grow. Finally, The Good Man, Exploring Economics and the Spirit, is available on audible.com now. If it's your first book, it's free. Thanks for listening and stay blessed.